This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Michael Zuber, author of One Rental at a Time. And it is Thursday. And you know what that means. It means we bring on the legend, Jonathan Twomley. How are you doing, sir? I am good, and I'm still a legend to each other, yes. which is good to know. <laughs> yeah. You'll be a legend for in my book for, forever. Oh, uh, thank you, Michael. Well, we usually start our Thursday conversations with the unemployment claims, and I'm thankfully now going to put a pin in that. Uh, the unemployment claims were, have been better than expected going forward. If it turns around or reverses, we will go back there. But I think there's more important things to talk about now. And one of the theories that we've talked about, we've touched on, it's been a part of our conversation in many episodes, but I want it to be its own episode this today, is the concept of deflation. Lots of talk about inflation, right? Uh, too much money chasing, too few goods, CPI, PPI, all of that stuff running hot. But when you are a real estate investor and an investor in general, and frankly, a homeowner, uh, deflation, right? If you have debt, deflation should scare you a lot more. So why don't we talk about why deflation is so destructive? What kind of deflationary forces are out there and why the Fed, the Fed's kind, kind of afraid of inflation, but it is terrified of deflation. Yeah. And I think before we talk about why it is, I think the reason that, that or you know, why deflation is mm-hmm. more scary than inflation mm-hmm. uh, I think the reason the Fed is so frightened of it is, is I think that they know from their history that they can get, you know, they can take drastic measures and get inflation under control pretty quickly if they need to. Yeah, they've like been it. through this. Yeah. They proved it, you know, under Paul Volcker in the 70s and 80s. They broke, you know, it's called breaking the back of inflation, yep. right? I mean, we had all kinds of inflationary pressures. They stepped in and they just kept on raising the interest rate until and just just basically showed showed the market like we're just going to put a, an end to this. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it did. So the Fed knows that if it ever happens again, they're able to stop, uh, you know, serious inflation mm-hmm. from happening. Mm-hmm. Now the reason that they're scared of deflation is because they because they've been trying their hardest to get some inflation. Yeah. And they can and they can't, right? And it is very very hard. And if you look around the world, you see this. If you look at, say, the Bank of Japan, you know what's what happened in Japan, and now we're looking a lot like Japan ourselves. When you have so much debt in the economy, it is very so much money going to pay debt service. It is very very difficult to get uh, inflation happening because all that money is not going into the purchase of goods and services. It's yeah. just going into service servicing debt. Debt service, and yep. so it is not. There is no multiplier effect. Mm-hmm. Of any of that money, and and we've just been piling on debt, both private debt and public debt, uh, for for decades. And every time the Fed lowers interest rates, rather than co- you know their hope is well, it's going to cause people to spend more. What it does in reality is cause on people to take yet more debt. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that is 
you know, why we find ourselves in this situation where the Fed really, it's like pushing on a string yeah. to try to get uh, inflation, right? So that's why the Fed is more scared of, of deflation because it just, it just, it's powerless to stop it. Uh, you know, given the situation where we are, if we had, a, you know, if we had very little debt in the economy, then lowering interest rates would be very effective. Right. But the problem is, every time you lower interest more interest rates further and add more debt, it reduces the effectiveness of doing that. Right. So I read somewhere that, you know, it used to be the case that one dollar of debt uh, created, you know, one dollar of like new federal debt. Mm-hmm. created $12 of economic activity. Mm. Now it's basically one-to-one. Wow. And so it's, yeah. it's become completely ineffective. And uh, yet we continue to just add more and more and more debt. So yeah. uh, it's that, that's why the Fed is scared. But let's, let's talk about you know, why deflation yeah. is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to jump in. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, this, this, I just think people need to realize that that inflation gets a lot of headlines, you know, pretty much because we've experienced before. It's it's enough of a recent story where, you know, you're either you or your parents experienced it in the 70s, right? So they they remember 18% interest on mortgages and you you still hear the stories. Um, you know, no one's really experienced a true bout of deflation in the US. So it's you know, it's one of these things that it's the boogeyman in the closet, but we know it's possible. And, and you're right, it is. It's it's all about this debt just kind of piling up and, and, and you know, going to the moon to use a common, you know, phrase these days. It, it's 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 hard for me to imagine it right in a in an economy that is so consumer driven, you know, 68 percent of GDP. But you're right. If, if debt gets out of hand and you're just servicing debt, that's not new money's entering the economy. What do you do? You, I mean, it's just, it's hard to think about. And everybody is buying everything with debt, right? I mean, yeah. we have, everybody buys things with credit cards. They buy things with installment loans. You know, there are very few people who try to pay cash yeah. for stuff. Or, or, and even very few people who really even manage the way that they use debt very well. Hmm. You know, like I, I never carry balances on any credit cards ever. Yeah. Right? But a lot of people are basically like subsidizing the banks by mm-hmm. running big balances on their credit cards. Uh, and so, and they're, that's sucking money out of their pocket that they could spend on something else, um, you know, to, to drive the economy forward, but they're not, they're just servicing their, their credit card debt. So um, the, you know, if you look at, uh, so what, one of the point on sort of like uh, inflation, you know, recently a lot of real estate investors are getting very worked up about uh, inflation. Yeah. And I find it really odd, to, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Real estate investors have been dealing with inflation for a decade, right? They're just not calling it inflation. They call it appreciation, and they're all excited yeah. about it. <laughs> I love so, that you said that, yeah. They call right. it appreciation when it's on the asset, but that's just another form of inflation. You're yeah. Saying, right? yeah, but it is inflation that has been caused by, by debt. You're right. right? It, and, and so it's caused by low interest rates, the, all the inflation has gone into asset prices, Correct. right? So now, you know, we have, uh, you know, because of the stimulus packages and stuff, everybody is, and we, and because we're coming out of COVID and there are supply chain obstacles right now, and there is temporary inflation happening because of basic supply and demand stuff, 
which will work itself out. We have a lot of people who are getting really worked up about, oh, it's the return of inflation. Hmm. Whereas they didn't say anything about inflation for the last 10 years. Because it was good for them. <laughs> because it was it was good for them. Yeah. And also because it because it wasn't called inflation, right? Because yeah. the Fed doesn't count that as inflation. Yeah. Right. But inflation of rents and inflation of real estate values yeah. is is inflation all the same. And you know, I mean, there's no better no better example I can think of of inflation when, when then you know cap rate compression, right? Where you've yeah. got you take a, take an asset that investors didn't think was worth spending more than an eight cap on mm-hmm. at some point, and suddenly now it trade the same asset trades for a five cap. That is basically a you know more than a thirty yep. percent devaluation in the value of that asset, right? I mean appreciation, but like, do- like yeah, in, the in dollar, dollars, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And so, um, so it is. It is. We we've had this for a long time, and you know people have been just you know wringing their hands about oh federal stimulus oh federal stimulus <laughs> oh it's going to be it's going to be inflation. We, you know people like Michael and me are, are old enough to remember all the way back oh yeah to 2009 <laughs> tw- 12 years ago all the way back oh, then <laughs> to you know 12 years ago when. Yeah. The post-financial crisis stimulus package was passed, mm-hmm. and the same people were hand-wringing about, oh, there's going to be inflation. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, buy gold. And the price of gold spiked, and guess what happened? It spiked, yeah. and then it fell because yep. there wasn't any inflation because the, because the, the problem was deflation. Now, let's finally get back to the deflationary issue. Yep. The deflationary forces out there the deflationary forces out there are still, you know, outsourcing to China, mm-hmm. right? Driving the cost of goods down. Automation driving the cost of goods down, right? You've got basic people who had jobs that used to be involved in value creation, mm-hmm. i.e., manufacturing, which those jobs have all been either automated or outsourced somewhere else. So now people, those people, have to go and take jobs in the service economy where they're not creating any value. Right, so they don't get, they're not part of like, they don't receive productivity increase based pay increases anymore. Mm-hmm. So all those, all those things are driving deflationary forces, right? Now, if, if we ever do like, you know, I, I don't even think re-onshoring manufacturing to the US is gonna help that much because we'll just automate it because labor mm-hmm. costs are so much higher than in China. Yeah, you're gonna build really from not- scratch. So you're just gonna build in the automation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, it's not going to, it won't help that much, but that is, that's a huge deflationary force. Also outsource, if you think about, you know, there's a lot of other things that are keeping service economy jobs relatively low wage. Like the mm-hmm. fact that you can get on Fiverr and go hire somebody in Pakistan right. to do something rather than hire an American to do it. And like, unless they make that illegal, that's not going to stop. Right. And so, you know, as a, say, like as an entrepreneur, why would you go and hire somebody in the U.S. and pay them five times what you pay them, what you can get somebody in Fiverr, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere else to go do. And even stuff like, you know, that's pretty high-level work: building out spreadsheets, doing an economic analysis. Yeah, you can find somebody, very well-educated person in a foreign country, for sure. who will do it for a lot less because you know the cost of living there is so much cheaper, and 
you know, they don't have to charge you the same amount of money. So that also is a deflationary factor. Mm -hmm. Now, why is deflation such a problem? Well, if you are, it's a problem for everybody. And the reason is, I'll talk about why it's a problem for real estate investors in a second, but mm -hmm. it's a problem for everybody because what happens, and this is what you saw happen in Japan, people started to realize that, hey, if I wait to yep. buy this thing, it is going to be cheaper in six months, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so that basically caused the, the economy to slow down as people noticed that they were, that things were getting cheaper and cheaper and they could just hold on to their money yeah. and wait until it got cheaper. And the price of everything fell, right? The price of goods fell. Now they also, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about Japan, they're like, oh, it's because of all the government debt. Part of that's true. But also they outsourced everything to China too. They yeah. had the same problem, right? They, did. yeah. they didn't, it wasn't like the Japanese kept on manufacturing stuff in Japan. They, they went and, and, you know, really screwed over their working class too by shipping all the manufacturing to China, right? And, and did the exact same thing that we did. Yeah. So, um, they, so those deflationary forces were also at work there. People getting paid less, mm -hmm. there's more, they never saw, you never saw the same kind of unemployment, but you just saw people just didn't have the same kinds of good jobs that they had before. And it just, you know, you had the same, a lot of the same forces at work, but people just waited longer to buy stuff. Yep. Rents fell, right? You know, they've also got the declining population. And like, you know, lest you think that America is so special, if we didn't have immigration, we would have a declining population too. Yep. Basically every, every rich country has this problem because the richer you get, the less fewer babies you have. Yeah. Right. The richer you get, the more expensive everything gets, the harder it is to have children, the harder it is to support them. People have fewer children. Also the, the cost of, you know, for women, the cost, you know, there is a big, the, the uh, trade-off cost becomes much, much higher, right? Mm -hmm, sure. If you couldn't work, you know, you might as well stay home and have children, mm -hmm. right? But if, if, if that means giving up your $150,000 job, yep. right, to do it, you're not going to do it now, right? So, <coughs> so the richer you get, the fewer children you have. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we basically are completely dependent on immigration to keep, things going in the US essentially, mm -hmm. right? But the, now for real estate investors, deflation is really a killer because you're gonna buy at a certain cap rate with a certain amount of debt service, mm -hmm. right? And you know, now everyone's buying on the assumption that rents are gonna go up. Okay, we're buying at a low, low cap rate, rents are gonna go up. It's gonna get easier and easier to pay our debt. Uh, the opposite will happen in a deflationary environment. You will buy your asset with the expectation of a certain return, but you will start either have flat or declining rents, mm -hmm. right? It'll get harder and harder to pay your debt service, right? And as the dollars, with, with deflation, what happens is dollars get more valuable, right? Yep. So rather than paying you know, your debt with cheaper and cheaper dollars, you're actually paying your debt with more and more expensive dollars as you go. Mm -hmm. And this causes a tremendous amount of pain. Yep. So you really, as a, as a real estate investor, are, should be much more fearful of a deflationary environment than you should of an inflationary environment, putting aside, you know, even whether we really have inflation now yeah. in, in, in consumer goods and whether, whether that matters to you at all as a real estate investor, uh, you know, or not. So, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of why. Yeah, that, that's, that's what, that's what I wanted people to hear is there's a lot of talk about inflation today. We had a hot CPI, PPI could be transitory supply chain issues, all that stuff. 
But on the kind of on the real estate focus, a lot of people are like, ah, no big deal. Inflation is good for me, right? Higher rents, higher values, it's all good. But what I'm trying to do here, and we and you've done a great job, is you know, folks, you know, at least look at the other side of the coin, which is deflation, because you, you're going to get cap rate expansion. You're going to get lower. You're going to get lower rents. You know, that that very quickly becomes a a problem, right? Especially when you go back to kind of refinance the debt. Oh yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about refinancing the debt, right? I mean, when you go back to refinance your debt, uh, it's going to be a big problem because very likely your asset value will have fallen. And now, and the banks are going to say, well, you still can only do 70% yep. refi. Now, just, you know, to make an extreme example, like let's say that you, your property cost $100,000 when you financed it at 75%, yep. right, when you bought it. And now the, the asset is worth $80,000 and you can only refinance it at 70%. Yeah. You know, what is, what is 70% 56, of it's 56, 56 right? right? So you have to, you probably paid a little bit of your Maybe. principal down, but you're, but Coming you're up with 18 grand at least. Yeah. To, to, uh, to refinance that. Right. Yeah. So that's why, that's why deflation is, uh, is really an issue. Now I'm, I just do want to talk a, a bit on the other side of things. Sure. There, there are people who are also convinced that like they have to be investing in real estate right now because of inflation mm -hmm. and uh, because they believe that inflation, that, that no matter what, inflation is good for them. Now, this is also debatable if, and it really depends on how much inflation there is, right? right. Because, if it, because if you've got mild inflation, like 3% inflation, that's great for real estate, right? Because yeah. assuming that it's wage driven, yes. right? if it's wage driven inflation, that means that your rents are going up, you know, and you can, you know, you can charge more for rent and your debt service stays the same and the Delta is growing and your assets get more valuable and like you, you love every minute of it. Mm -hmm. You can also, you know, three, at 3% infl inflation, you know, you can easily raise those rents to cover it, you know, and, and if you get behind, you know, it's just not, if you're continually raising your rates, your rents, you're, you're fine. If you start getting really uh, high inflation, though, the value of your leases is going to be deteriorating very rapidly. So if you think about it, 10% on 10% inflation, at the end of one year, every lease you have is 10 is worth 10% less yep. than it was at the beginning of the year. And you, depending on what the cause of the when you have inflation like that, it is usually not because of wage price inflation. It's because of some kind of you know financial shock, yeah, external shock. Yep. Right. So you are not going to be able to necessarily pass you know that on. Certainly not quickly. Your, yeah. To your uh, to your to your tenants because they may not have ten percent more money to pay you um, because they didn't get ten percent wage increases over that time. Mm -hmm. So that is that is really um, an issue. And then you know you can what will wind up happening too is eventually and we'll go back to where we started. The Fed is going to jack up interest rates a lot to try to stop that inflation, mm -hmm. and that is going to cause, you know, mortgage interest rates to rise. It's going to cause cap rates to rise. Mm -hmm. it's, you're going to hit with the double whammy on refinance of, of yeah. a higher cap rate and higher interest rates, which means that your DSCR, your debt service coverage ratio, the number you have to hit is going to be much higher, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you may not be able to refinance. So you'll see with enough inflation, you'll actually see foreclosures. 
Now you may you may see a lot of people jumping in to buy up those foreclosures because they are thinking, okay, this is an inflation hedge. And and all things considered, maybe real estate is still better than other things that you could buy, or better than holding cash. But it's it doesn't mean that this is like great for you if there's high inflation. So um, yeah. what what's best for real estate is a stable yeah. a stable economy that's growing at a at a moderate pace. That's that's sort of like the sweet spot for real estate. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, we've been for a long time. I think we're going to have wage inflation here, you know, for the next couple of years. I think the employee has the power where last cycles, it was all about the owner. I think we're clearly seeing that divergent, but yeah, I think folks, you got to pay attention to deflation. You need at least need to understand it. It is, I think it is going, if it happened, it would be far more painful than, you know, significant inflation. Cause again, the fed knows how to, how to handle that. So Jonathan, thank you very much for doing this folks. Episode number two, we're going to talk about asset bubbles. Stay tuned for that one. Thanks, buddy. Yep.